You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 119. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six-figure years without burning out in the process. Should I create an online course? I get asked this question multiple times a week via messenger, but also with my one-to-one coaching clients, my mastermind clients, my 12-month group coaching clients, and also in my super active Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative. My answer, it depends. It depends on so many variables, your audience, time, budget, skill set, just to name a few. But to go into this deeper, I wanted to bring on the amazing Sam Widge, who is a course creator with a name that sounds like a lunchtime food. She is a weapon when it comes to course creations and helps businesses turn content and knowledge into an engaging, user-friendly online course that your audience absolutely will love. In today's episode, Sam and I are going to be talking about how to create an online course and explore questions such as, but not limited to, understanding if there is a difference between a course and content, what are the four most common fears people have when creating a course, understanding if you need an audience or cash in order to build a course and sell it successfully. She's also going to walk us through the steps businesses need to get uh, started with, with creating your own online course. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to share your key takeaway, a fun factor, anything between over at your Instagram stories and tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting because that would put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode is sponsored by Australia's leading four-day, three-night exclusive women in business retreat that I run every single year. The retreat is where we focus on women having the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow both in life and in business. This is this event will be held from November 5th through the 8th at the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. It's an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold and there aren't many left to grab. Denise Duffield Thomas, a good friend of mine, is opening keynote. Cherie from Digital Picnic is also speaking with so many other top speakers. Surrounding yourself with amazing people will lift you up both at conference and post-conference to daily masterminds to get individualized help on your business from both your peers and the speakers to amazing food, being able to sleep in, eat a meal interrupted by your children, you're not going to want to miss out on this exclusive event. To learn more about this event and to secure your ticket now, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on retreat. Now let's get into this awesome episode with Sam where we're going to talk about how to create an online course. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you for having me. It's going to be so fun to have you on the podcast today. I mean, we've known each other for a while now. And I mean, you're in my Facebook community. You've come to my retreat. You wrote a killer blog for my blog over at Angela Anderson Consulting. And just naturally, you're a giving, kind, and knowledgeable woman in business. So it's always good to have these powerhouses on. So thanks for being here today. No, it's an absolute privilege. Thank you. So before we get started, I always like to ask a fun question to those guests who are coming on because I think it's good that, you know, the audience gets to know you a little bit more about who is Sam versus just how do we create an online course and jumping right in. So my, my fun question to you is, I know you and your, you and your family have really gotten into gardening and I think there's some that like you were creating sourdough shit in jars. I don't know what you were doing. It looked (laughs) fun, but I didn't really understand what was going on. 
but I was like, this is cool. I can see that you guys have a love for this. So I'm curious to know what sparked you getting into the gardening. And I think it's growing your own sourdough. You'll have to help educate us. And what do you love most about it? To be honest, I am the laziest gardener you've ever met. I'm a, <laughs> like, stick it in the ground and see if it grows. And if it doesn't, well, it dies. Like, yes. that's literally as involved as I get. <laughs> but um, it's partly because I've got really young ones. I mean, my kids are, what, 11, 10, but then two and one. So they're constantly rampaging around the yard, destroying everything anyway and eating whatever they find. Uh-huh. So at the moment, they were eating, like, the grass and the leaves and the rocks. And I'm like, well, you know what? I may as well have edibles out there. And at least they're eating, <laughs> at least they're eating good things. So now they crawl around and they eat, like, cherry tomatoes and sugar snap peas and they, they eat edible components rather yeah. than on edibles and honestly that's how it started it's like well if you're going to eat the leaves dude it may as well be an edible leaf. <laughs> might as well keep your tummy full and it's one less snack that I need to prepare that's it so um yeah but I, I really am lazy someone was asking me about my success with um corn the other day and I'm like I don't know I put seeds in the ground and we watered it like and it grew <laughs> that's that's as far as because I got you actually a lot like I think I saw a picture where like you had to like freeze some of it because it was like you had an abundance of it yeah we were batch prepping I delivered like a dozen corn cobs to my mom I was batch freezing corn like I've got corn in the cupboard which is good because you know it just saves me going into the shops so it's awesome absolutely speaking of corn funny story so obviously living in Australia we're very fortunate that we do have so much fresh produce all right and um like the kids had to do this uh exercise at school how many tins of food do you have in your cupboard and they was like mom we don't actually have any whereas growing up as a kid I remember like being in Canada and with it being so cold, you lived off the like canned food, Mm -hmm. right? Because you just couldn't get the produce that we do here. And so last night, actually, we now have been utilizing HelloFresh for, I don't know, the last six weeks or so. Absolutely freaking, it's so amazing from just so easy. And, but one of the things they had is they had tinned corn the other night. And so Finley is used to just having corn on the cob, which does taste very different to tin corn yeah and Sibylia is like mom I don't want to be disrespectful but there's something wrong with this corn like it is bad and I was like sorry buddy like I don't know and I was like oh it dawned on me he's so lucky that he's been able to have fresh corn that he didn't quite cope with the tin corn last night so I was like (laughs) oh kid you're killing me here uh but yeah what we get used to right fresh produce in Australia we're very very lucky oh yeah Now, when you're not gardening, obviously you have a very successful business and I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background, about where you started in business and where you're at now. So my background long, long, long time ago, post sort of school, I actually was in retail and moved up into management quite quickly. So I was managing big teams of up to a hundred in big box retail. Um, And when I'd had enough of doing, you know, rotating shifts and working Christmas Eve and boxing day and everything else, I um, left the world of retail and really accidentally got a job. Um, facilitating training. I didn't mean to, it just kind of got offered to me and I took it and that's where I ended up. So I really accidentally ended up in this world of of course creation. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, then it just developed from there. I ended up as a national training manager for a big training company, building all of their courses and managing their team of trainers. And after a while I got to a point where I'm like, they're not paying me enough to do this. I'd much rather do this for myself. Um, and, And that's how the transition happened. Like I started developing my own training material and from there, I've worked with a lot of businesses to help them develop theirs. But very much my business life, Angela, has been a what comes next? Like it's never <laughs> it's never planned very far in advance. It's often an accidental next step that leads me to somewhere. And But I think that's an important uh, point to raise because I think some business owners are always about, well, this person said this comes next and this person says this comes next. And I actually just had a mini rant in my Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative, the other day about you just do you, right? Yeah. Like seriously, just do you. 
take what you need from different people that might be coaching you or different people, but just do you. And so again, the fact that you can do you, I think is an important concept that you've been able to accept and almost embrace them because you don't have to do what other people are doing. If it works for you and it works for your family and you're happy and it brings joy, well then like, how can that be wrong? How can that possibly be a bad thing? Right? So um, I think it's a good point that you raised there. And you know what? Sometimes it is wrong. Like I'm willing to admit there are some steps. Like I opened my own sort of government accredited registered training organization for a while, but that was like, as I got into running that, I'm like, this is not what I wanted. Like this felt like a good idea at the time, but it really wasn't. Um, And so we closed that and moved into different types of training, but without having taken that step, I never would have known if it was right or wrong. And someone could have easily told me, oh, I have to do that. And I would have just followed their lead. But -hmm. this way, you know what? I've tried, I've tested, I've worked out what does work and doesn't work for me. That definitely doesn't work. Um, And now I can move forward knowing that that's not an option. Absolutely. And I think it's about asking those questions. I know right before we hopped on this call to record the podcast is um, one of my one-to-one clients there, you know, like they own the business together and they said, Ange, we saw this thing come up in regards to advertising for this particular thing. And we just want to think like, what do you think we should do about this? And I'm like, this isn't about me, right? Mm. But what I could do is I can guide you around what I would ask yourselves. Would this position bring you joy? Would this position help you in your short-term and long-term term growth for your own business, right? And if you can and if you can answer those questions, you'll probably will then have your answer. But it's it should never be about like again, really, it's okay to think for yourself too, right? And I think some gurus in this space are taking that away from people. Like you just have to do this, you have to do this. And especially when you first start out in business, you don't know what you don't know. So you just kind of like hang on to people that might you you feel attracted to from a point place of like they kind of talk your language and get you. Um, but again, at the end of the day, I just say, just do you, whatever that looks like, right? So uh, well done, I say. Now, online courses, they yeah. have been a hot topic this year, let's be honest, with everything that's been going on in our world. And more importantly, how to create an online course. And are there benefits to it? Are there not benefits to it? What does that look like? So I'd like to just kind of, I always like to lay the foundation for a podcast so that everyone's on the same page. And I'd like to start with, there is a big difference between a course and content. And I think this gets confused with a lot of people from around the world. So I'd like just to start with the baseline is, can you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between a course and content? Yeah, so sure. So content, I like to see as a standalone. So content might be your blogs, your podcasts, whatever it is. And you can have great content and that's awesome. But to turn it into a course, it needs some extra bits. So the first thing is it needs a really clearly defined structure or logical order. So when you're writing blog posts, you might write one here and one there, but that's not good enough for a course. You need that that structured order on the way through. Something else that's really important is that they need to be guided to implement. And Angie, I know you'll do this with all of your client work as well, but there's no point in them just gaining knowledge on the way through if they're not actually doing something with it. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest thing about a course over content. Content is great for just learning, but your course has to actively encourage them to implement all the way through. Otherwise, they're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you need them to support through that. So support is a big difference. Obviously, I can read your blog or podcast or whatever, um, but I'm not getting any support from that. And so your course should come with some element of support. Mm-hmm. That might be one-on-one. It might be group, but there should be something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last two, really, you need some way to test how it's going. Now, in a formalized process, that might be assessment. A lot of my clients don't need assessment in their course, so we include some form of feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, that's you giving them feedback, but also they should be able to give you feedback. What worked in the course? What doesn't? Where did they need extra help? Mm -hmm. Um, And without that feedback cycle, you've just got an average process, really. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more about the importance of making sure that you're, because everyone learns so differently. People can learn quickly. They might not learn, but they might consume information better video. They might consume better information, do you know what I mean, written, right? And without that feedback, there's an, you know, how do you make your course better for all those other people that are going to come on board? Yeah. And you just don't know what's working. Like that's where assessment is really useful. Because if you can test someone, you know, if they've learned it or not, because you know, if they get the answers right. Now, while most courses don't need assessment, feedback takes that place. It allows us to see what's working and what's not. And without that, we're just making assumptions that our stuff is working. Mm -hmm. I know with my course, uh, so I have a 12-month group coaching program called Profit Pillars, and it used to just be standalone, eight-week course, come in, wham, bam, there was some support there. But then it was through the feedback cycle. So we survey people when they first come in to the course, like their first email is to get a baseline. Then we, we survey halfway through, and then we survey again at the end, because I I think again different points for of people of where they're at in business and life can mean different things for them and the feedback is very different typically in those three kind of touch points um and in that but what we found though was is that people because of the cohort of my audience is particularly moms in business and you've got school holidays everything else in between public holidays that they're like listen we fit a lot of them said we feel like eight weeks if we miss a day or we miss a live even though we can go back that they felt like pressure to like, yeah. it's like, okay, what do I going to do? And so then that's when we te- we've been testing for the last kind of 18 months is turning into a 12 month group coaching program. So they still get the course inside of that, but they got, they have the whole year to work through it. And they have the whole year to come under the hot seat calls, the month, monthly coaching sessions to ask questions and get that feedback. They can ask questions in the group versus feeling like pressure. But I wouldn't have known that that's what they wanted unless I gave, gave that feedback, do you know what I mean? Throughout the time. So no, it's, it's such an important point. Yeah. And I mean, it's valid in any part of your business. I mean, you know, if you're not getting feedback from your clients about products and services as well, but but of course, it's just another aspect of your business and it should have a clear business strategy to it. So you should be getting that feedback from it as well. Fantastic. Now, have you seen or do you like, what are your thoughts around the most common fears you see with people who are wanting to create a course? Because I mean, mindset and fear kind of go hand in hand. And I definitely, I personally have seen some, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about those fears that you see people who are wanting to create a course have uh, presented to you during your time. Yeah. So like you, I um, ask anyone joining my Facebook group, I ask them like, if they don't have a course yet, what's holding them back? And these are the four things that come up most often. So Um, One is that they don't think they know enough. And that comes, like you said, down to that sort of self-confidence piece. Every client I work with does know enough. They know more than enough, but they're worried that they don't. So that's probably the first one. And that's, that's a mindset thing, like all in up. And you'd see that too, I'm sure. Oh gosh, all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like, actually, what proof do you have that you don't know enough? And then we like get out a piece of paper and they're like, all right, you got me. Do you know what I mean? That was just a story or belief. Do you know what I mean? That I was feeding into. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it often comes from that comparison itis, like they're too busy looking at what everyone else is doing. So blinkers on, face forward, like focus on your own stuff because you know more than enough. But mm-hmm. once you start looking at everyone else, you get confused. Totally, totally, so, totally. So that's number one. Yeah. Um, number two is that the tech is too hard, mm-hmm. which again is part of a story that they're telling themselves because now tech can be real easy. Um, you know, there are plenty of platforms and plugins that are drop and go. You just add up your content and off you go. Also, though, if you do get stuck there, it's the easiest bit to outsource. Mm-hmm. The content creation, that's to you. Like that comes from your head. But the tech, you just pay someone else to do that. So that mm-hmm. bit's easy. Yep. So the tech. And again, I know a lot of people have fear with tech. 
But that's like you said, outsourcing is a beautiful thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to outsource. I'm all about supporting local economy when you can. But if you're just starting out in business, I'm also about like, that's why Upwork and Fiverr and other places like that exist, right? Is there's other people in other countries who you can pay and they can still make a very good living and meet, meet their own goals, right? Without having to think that you have to do it all on your own. Yeah. And the other way as well for some of my clients, I do what's called a gap fill. So they get as far as they can. And then I literally just go in and fix the gaps. So they don't even have to pay for a full tech upload. You just have to pay for someone to come in and do those tiny bits you couldn't do. So yeah. It doesn't even have to be that expensive. But, yeah. No, yeah. Fantastic. Yep. So that's number two. Yeah. Number three, they don't know where to start. Now that's a fair fear. Like it can feel really overwhelming. And I take them through a process of just right coming right back to basics is what are you trying to do? What are you trying, like, who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? Those, and again, the stuff you'll take your clients through when they're doing any business strategy, you really get back to basics. What's the point of this? What's your strategy behind it? Um, so that's a big fear. And then the last one, and again, you must come across this all the time, is I don't have enough time mm-hmm. for a course. But I promise you, like, if you don't allocate time for a course, you will never have time to do a course. There's no easy way out of that other than scheduling time. Because every client I come across reckons that they don't have enough time. And, you know, you and I could easily say the same, but you make time. Well, again, I mean, that's the thing where you have to work, whereas, and in my opinion, is so many people are too busy working in their business. So they're working on today's income, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas businesses who need to really start thinking about the long-term strategy, they're going to have to shift from working in the business to working on their business. And the way I define working on their business is looking at tomorrow's income, right? And by allocating time within their day, this is what I do with my own clients. It's like, guys, we have to allocate, I call it the power hour, or, you, or and some people might not have an hour. So we'll say, okay, do the quick 30, right? But if you can spend 30 minutes a day, and this is what I had to do to get my own course, do you mean the profit pillars up is I literally had to allocate an hour a day. And then the Mm -hmm. only thing I did was course creation. That was it. Like all the Facebook tabs, like there was no other tab open, but word, right? And it was just like dump and run, dump and run, dump and run. I obviously held, had someone help me like then put all the words together to make it sound better, right? But that was my end of the bargain. But now I'm able to evergreen that course. I'm able to bring other people in and I'm able to help more women, which is going towards my overall mission, right? So it comes down to, again, you have a choice. Yeah. You wake up every day, you have a choice. You do a course, don't do a course, but don't fucking complain about it when you don't have it, right? Like seriously, that's like my biggest thing. Don't fucking complain because that was a choice that you made. So choose to work in your business for today's income or choose to work on your business for tomorrow's income and long-term growth. Your choice, right? But um, yeah, don't get me started. That would be a whole nother podcast episode. (laughs) That's Um, the next one. As you can hear me getting a little bit revved up about that because it does. I'm like every one of us, you know, I, I really get sick and tired when people say things like, in my opinion... Yeah, but I've got kids. Well, fuck, you've got four kids. I've got two kids, right? Um, Comes down to choices, all right? And we we can choose to, again, I've got no problem. It's like my kids do go to before and after school care. That's a form of outsourcing, right? But Mm -hmm. that outsourcing allows us to go on holidays. It allows me to have the space to do interviews, et cetera. That's a choice I make. Now, again, you just have to be able to live with those choices every single day. So course or not course, just don't complain about it, right? Yeah. like yep all right cool we're good four most common fears we got that covered tick yeah now listen I went on a little rant you would have seen my Facebook group the other day all right about course creation and memberships and my big thing and we're going to talk about this we were just talking about this before we hit record was about audience and cash so I want to know your opinion Sam and then I'll go if I need to mini rant after I'll mini rant but do you feel people need to understand their numbers their audiences and their cash in order to build a course and to sell that course with success. Yes, yes, yes. And 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and I talk to my clients as well about when it comes to selling your course, realistically, you have two assets. You have your time and you have your money. So you're either going to pour money into selling this thing, which is Facebook ads, Google ads, sponsorships, those sorts of things, or you're going to pour a whole fucking lot of time into this thing, mm-hmm. building an audience, doing being a guest on podcasts, writing guest articles, all those sorts of strategies. But you're investing either your time or your cash. If you don't have cash, it's going to be time. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, both is better, but one or the other. Yeah, right. Yep. And I just think that, again, what we were talking about before we were hitting recording is, is the importance of like, there are so many people out there that are telling people just create a course or just create an online membership and you're going to be a millionaire. This is yeah. what's going to save you in our current world for 2020. Da, 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 da. Now it could, it very well could for some businesses. All right. But what a lot of people, especially who are new to business don't understand, because again, God forbid people talk about this is that you typically will convert a course at 1% if yeah. you're lucky. So what I mean by 1%, you're like, yeah, right, Ange. No, literally, a lot of people I work with will say 1%, maybe 2%, like I was saying before, if you're Denise Stuffield Thomas, right? But 1%. So you need 1,000 people in, all right, in order to get 10 people converted. So you need, a, you need an audience, not just email list, because I'm trying to shift away from just email list. You need an audience. So yeah. do you have, like, I've got a Facebook community. There's about 7,000 members in there. I've got an email list of about just less than 5,000, right? Like I've got people in different parts. I've got a podcast that has downloads, right? So I've got an audience that I can sell to. But even if I accumulate, like accumulated all of my numbers, let's just say I had 10,000 numbers, I will be lucky again to convert at 1%, mm. right? Which would be 100 people of 10,000. So again, I can't emphasize with what we were saying too, is like you're, you have to understand your numbers. And again, if you don't have the cash flow to then be able to put behind ads to take a cold audience to warm and then get them to converting, like really guys, you're then going to complain and go, oh, well, I created this course, such and such said I could become a millionaire. I spent all this time and money doing it, but I haven't had a single sale. Yeah. You have to have an audience people or, or cash. Yeah. And look, I'm, Obviously, I'm the biggest advocate for online courses. Like, courses are my jam. It's what I spend my time doing. But they're not a fix-all. Like, if you've got a business that is hemorrhaging money or if you're not profitable or if you don't have an audience, building an online course isn't going to fix those problems. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great tool for reaching more people, but it is not a Band-Aid solution for other problems in your business. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's a And, again, that's the thing is if you think – like I look at having a course as part of another income stream, right? Yeah. It's not the only thing that I have within my business. It is part of it. But if that income stream dried up for whatever reason, or the economy went crazy, hence, do you know what I mean? What we've been going through, like I'm not dependent on that, right? So it is part of that bigger strategy. So now what should people, so if people are like, great, I've got audience, I've got cash. I understand the fears that we've gone through that you've talked about, right? I understand the difference between a course and content. And I'm happy, do you know what I mean, to look at how I can make sure that, again, it's a course and not just content that I'm throwing out there. What should people do before they actually then start building the course and putting the hours and money into assess if it's right for their business? So the thing we just discussed, I think, is the first thing anyone should do, which is have a strategy. So many times I see people just start to build content and I'm like, well, are you building like a freebie course? Are you building a like a 12-month profit pillars? Like what are, you, what are you trying to build? What is your strategy behind this? Mm-hmm. Where does it sit in your business model? Is it free? Is it mid-level? Is it high level? What are, 
what is your plan? Because if you don't know that, you're going to spend lots of time building content that's probably the wrong fit for the kind of product you're building. Mm-hmm. So business strategy number one, uh-huh. go away and do some market research. Like, is there an audience for this? Do people want this thing? You know, spend some time in Facebook groups. Hit that good old, there's a search function inside each group. Um, drop your keyword in there and see if people are talking about the thing that you want to write a course about. Go to Google keyword research and see, are people searching for the problem that you want to create a solution for? Because mm-hmm. if the people aren't talking about it and aren't searching for it, it's probably not worth your time spending hours and hours building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my very last favorite one is you should validate the idea. A lot of people talk about pre-selling and I'm not a huge fan on pre-selling a course if it's your first course because mm-hmm. I don't think people understand quite how long it takes to build and what goes into it. But I'm all for creating a wait list or selling a mini, like a first module or testing some way to make sure that your audience is ripe and ready. Not just that they say they want it, but they're willing to sign up, even if it's a name and email address, they're willing to put something on the line for it. And I do agree with that because, you know, the infrared commercials that would happen at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, and they would be out there and they would be talking about, okay, great, this is our latest product on the market, da, 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 da. And for the next hour, you get these bonuses and this, that, and the other. But if you read the fine print, it always said, typically, this product will not arrive or will not be dispatched to your home until six to eight weeks. Ah, uh, yeah. And what happened was, is they were validating the product right? Getting people's credit cards to see how many people were actually going to buy. And then that's when they then took the money and then put it in, right? Because again, especially for product, I mean, of course, yes, it takes time, but if you're going to create 10,000 units that's coming from China and you can't sell those, you've got a problem, right? Like Mm. that's a problem. So yeah, so that's what I always found interesting is when I started looking at that, is it all, it does, it pretty much says some sort of weight. And what they're doing is they're, they're testing via that advertising, whether or not it's going to, you know, if it's a valid idea to then go and make these larger quantities. So again, I agree with you, do something, pull your audience, survey your audience, get them on a whitelist, let them buy that first module. Because once they buy that first module, then you're like, shit, I got to, I better get my butt into gear, right? That's but I it. also think by creating that first module of the course or et cetera, you also understand the time that it takes to mm-hmm. brain dump, create it, do your slide decks, upload it to tech, right? And market it because it's, that's so important. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah. And that word for word, that's pretty much exactly what I tell people is if you've never built it before by building module one, you can see where all the kinks are. You can see what works and what doesn't work. And you have a realistic time frame for how you can produce the others. But until you've built that first one, you've got no freaking idea how long it's going to take you. So build the first one. If you're going to sell, if you've got a wait list, it's not so bad. You don't need to build as fast, but yeah, if you're going to start pre-selling in some way, at least have module one built because mm-hmm. it, it gives you a clear understanding of what's expected. And for those people who are like, okay, I've got the audience, I've got a little money, I've got the strategy, I've done some market research, I've validated my idea. How do people get started with creating a course? So funnily enough, the first like three or four steps for this have nothing to do with creating the content, which always annoys people. But, um, <laughs> one, you get super clear on who you're building a course for, because mm-hmm. if you don't know that, you're going to get confused. Um, two, you get really clear on what is the one single outcome they will achieve by doing your course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and write it down and stick it on a bloody post-it note and stick it to your laptop mm-hmm. because then you're going to map your content. And as you start to map the things you want to teach them, if it doesn't help them learn that one specific outcome, it doesn't belong in your course. Mm-hmm. You can put it in bonus articles or blog posts, or you can put it wherever else you want, but if it doesn't help them reach that one outcome, don't put it inside your course. Yep. So once you've mapped it all out, you're up to creating the stuff. 
Now, that can take its time, but you're looking at things like videos, PDFs, workbooks, all those sort of things you want to give them that forms part of your content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got to find a tech platform to upload it to. There are hundreds out there at the moment. I've got some favorites, but there are a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, pick one and upload and get started somewhere, which leads us to where you come in because at which point you need to start marketing the hell out of that thing because a course won't sell itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I, you know, I also see a lot of people, they've done all this work, right? They've got, they've validated the idea. They actually have an audience. They're prepared to put some Facebook ads. And then they're like, I'm like, how many have you sold? What was the first round like? Oh yeah, I just like, I, I emailed it to my list once. Mm. I'm like, what? No, 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 you, you can't like that's No, you can't. And, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm gobsmacked, right? Because I'm just like, no, right? And so again, marketing is so imperative, you know, at any time of stage. But if you're going to have this course, you got to have a strategy to how you're actually going to get this in front of people. Yeah, courses aren't a magic, like as much as everyone will tell you, you know, it's the kind of thing you'll make money in your sleep. And admittedly, like I do, sometimes I wake up and my phone's got payment notifications, like woohoo. But Mm -hmm. I'm not magically rich overnight because I had a course. It's because there have been marketing strategies in place overnight and people have purchased from those strategies. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a vehicle, but without the marketing to do that, those payments won't magically arrive in my account. I wish they would, but they won't. They won't. I mean, again, at the moment, we're testing a tiny offer, which is something slightly different. Do you know what I mean? But similar yeah. is that, that we go seven dollar. Do you know what I mean? Um, like guide that I'm doing seven dollar Instagram guide on thirty days of Instagram content into grabbing graphics and then into an OTO, a one time offer, which is my mini. It's like a eight module course on Instagram and four bonuses, whatever. Right. But even those tiny ones, hence the word tiny offer, they weren't tiny. I still had to do slide decks for every one of them. I still had to prepare the content. I still had to work with the graphic designers, right? So it is, but it's, I knew that's what my audience needed. But now because of the strategy and understanding that we do have Facebook ads going into that funnel. And I do wake up, not with copious amounts of money, because we're still in infancy stages, but still money that do you mean that is mm. bringing in people that I would never have had before, right? Yeah. But again, it's come down to, again, not only that strategy, but really understanding your sales funnels. Where, how are we taking this person from a cold client to warm them and then put them, put in front of them that course, right? Um, and it's also then, well, what are we going to do after the course launch? Do yeah. we need to be creating new opt-ins? Are we going to keep it, are you going to do it live? Or are we going to do it evergreen? Like there's so many things and that's so dependent based on individual business and their needs and their environment, et cetera. And for you, so, I mean, you did that really important thing, which is rather than just going and creating a course, you thought about the business strategy around it. Like, where does it sit? What comes before it? What comes after it? How does it solve, like, how does it fix people's problems? Because you can go away and just build content, but that will never give you what you want or give your audience what they want because you haven't put the strategy around it. Like, what comes first? What comes next? How does it help? And you need to know those questions or the answers to those questions to create a good course. And I know some people have said, well, Ange, you're a business consultant. Why are you? Why did you do an eight-module Instagram? And I was like, fair enough question, right? But the thing was, is when my number one lead magnet that we've ever had was 30 days of Instagram content, mm. right? Because a lot of times business owners think their problem is Instagram. Yeah. If I get Instagram, I'm now going to be a millionaire. If I get that fixed, we're good to go. I know that's not the case. All right. It typically comes down. They don't understand their ideal client, right? They don't have a good offer. I mean, you can't do mean policy a turd, right? If it's shit, it's shit. Um, they don't have a sales funnel, whatever. But people don't think that that's what their problem is, Sam. 
So by creating this course, I knew that I solved those people's immediate problem for what they thought, right? Mm -hmm. But within all of my welcome sequencing, within my, you know, follow up automations and all that. And even in my presentations, I'm seeding them that an Instagram strategy is great, but that's only part of your overall business strategy. And so the entire time is I'm seeing them about that bigger picture stuff that needs to happen, how this is only one small component, which will then lead into my bigger program profit pillars, right? But I had to understand that ideal client, what they think their pain was, give them something, seed them and to take them to the next step. Yeah. And that, that who you're building a course for, like without that step, your course won't work. It won't because if you know who you're building it for, you know what they're struggling with. You know mm. what they think they need. You know how they think they like to learn. You know whether they want, do they want templates? Do they want workbooks? Do they want, what do they think they want? Mm-hmm. And when you know the answers to those questions, it's really easy because you just build it. Mm-hmm. But without knowing those answers, you don't know what to build. Yep, exactly. And that was one of our things. Like when we even went from the $7, 30 days, 30 ways of Instagram content, we're like, okay, but what do they want after that? Well, the majority of them we have found through surveying is that they struggled with graphics, right? Yeah. It's like, great. Well, then, so what we did is we created 60 graphics that it can be customized for your brand, do you know what I mean, et cetera, for $17 is the bump. And so then it was like hand in hand, right? And it's like, oh, I, it was about, I can't have one without the other, right? Yeah. So it was like, so yes, yeah, so you've got to be thinking about what's that next thing that they're going to need and how do you solve that for them? Like you almost have to be a step ahead. Yeah. And and even if you're not that one step ahead, I mean, that's ideal world. And I'd love for all all of my clients to be that far ahead, but if not, at least have a strategy for this step, like at least be really clear on this one and maybe you'll work out what the next one is afterwards. But if you're not clear on this one, you're going to get real stuck. Yeah, exactly. And I too agree with you. I'd much rather you start somewhere, right. than not do it at all. If again, it's validated and people want it, right? So again, you don't have to have everything figured out. I think, is it Marie Folio who has the book, like everything's figure outable, you know, like it really is, right? It might not feel like it when you're in the midst of it all, but it it is, everything can be figured out really. And especially when it comes to course creation, like sometimes that clarity and that figuring out comes through doing, Mm -hmm. like I see a lot of my clients get really stuck in the, oh, what, what's the right tech? And they spend months trying to find the right like platform. The truth is like, most of them will probably do the job, but until you sign up and start uploading your content and start using it, you're not going to get that clarity about whether it's right for you or wrong for you because you just, you don't know, you're guessing. And so yeah. you have to take that action to start finding that clarity. Clarity doesn't come from sitting on the couch. Exactly. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. It still comes down to action, right? Yeah. I believe everything will come down to action or inaction, there's either a consequence or a positive, right? You don't take action. Again, we would all be millionaires if it was easy, right? But it's those people that take action and keep putting strategy in one foot in the other. They're the ones that are getting closer to that, right? Yeah. They're testing, testing, and testing. Now, listen, Sam, what an awesome episode in regards to getting people, those listeners out there thinking about how that they can you know what I mean, create their own course and what would they need to do in order to make sure that it's successful, uh, that they're not wasting their time, their money, their energy. So again, thank you so much for being on today. But before we finish up, I would like to ask you one final question. And that question is, is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I think it's about me. I wish I knew when I first started out that I should just just trust myself to do it. Um, I, I, like many others, I've been in the game a while now and I always, you know, that self-doubt, those fears, everything plays up. If I just known from the very beginning to just start doing and not get caught in that cycle of thought process, then I, yeah, it would make my whole life easier. Let's be honest. 
would make your life easier. You're like, boom, exactly. But again, we we second guess ourselves. I just was interviewing another lady, Natalie, today for another podcast episode where we talked about mindset, right? And she talks about 10 stages that are crucial in regards to business growth and how, again, each part of business growth, you'll have your mindset will be wobbled and you're going to have to do mean, feel it uncomfortable and look at the self-sabotage, right? Like it's always there, right? But the more we start to lean into that and understand it and trust that, the better. But when we first start off, we're just like, what are we doing, right? And then it's like, then we get a bit wiser as we go. Now, Sam, for those people that would love to connect with you and learn more about course creation, where can they find you? Um, so my website is samwinch.com.au. I'm the course creator with a name that sounds like lunchtime food. Um, and they'll find all the details for my free stuff. And I've got a five-day to course clarity program there that's just $5. And it's worth, if you're going to start somewhere, start there. It's five bucks. You'll get the clarity you need and you'll actually be able to start taking action. Dude, fantastic. And I believe that the transformation, the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place, right? Spend the five bucks. You're going to see the transformation, my friends. That's and it. before we sign off, I'd just like to remind you that my team and I will also be putting together the show notes and everything. And you can access those at AngelaHenderson.com today, along with all of Sam's details. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on Instagram stories and tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting, or you can share it wherever. I'm cool with that. I'd also love it if you could take a second and either subscribe to the podcast or leave a review. That would be simply divine. Thanks again for uh, being on the show today, Sam. I really appreciate it. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Sam. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au